This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Podcast. Were you about to speak for Mike? I kind of was. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike White at MikeWhiteTwitter.com. <laughs> That's what we should do. Anytime we have a guest on, we should have the guest say, I am Mike White. You can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. That'd be pretty funny. That would be funny. I'll remember that for next time. Anyway, um, welcome to the Obsessive Era. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com. Check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. Um, today we are joined by a returning guest, a frequent guest, Mr. Robert Feckus. Hi, Robert Feckus. Hello. I always call you Th- You what? I always call you Feckus. I, I I stumbled and I said, hello, Robert Feckus. <laughs> it is. It, it's very divided whether people call me Robert or Feckus, but I like Feckus. So thank yes. you for having me back. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Thank you for uh, accepting our offer to talk about comedy sequels, which is the topic today, um, which actually, before we get started on it, I do want to mention that I'm so horrible with putting in the, the uh, um, plugs here at the beginning lately. But anyway, uh, Shocktober in Irvington is happening again. We've been talking talking it up. For those of you that don't know and are in the Indian in the Indianapolis area, Shocktober in Irvington is a one night event celebrating uh, filmmakers, local filmmakers, and uh, the horror genre in Irvington. Um, it's a one night event where we're renting out the Irving Theater on October sixteenth, and we're screening short films. Doing uh, giveaways, raffles, and uh, Q&As with the filmmakers. And we're also going to be screening the uh, documentary about the Central State hauntings called aptly uh, Central State by Dan T. Hall. More information for that and ticket sales are at shocktoberandirvington.com. So the topic today is comedy sequels. And uh, it's kind of apropos of nothing, really. Um, It's just something that I thought of just while I was getting ready for work one morning. But... Over the last couple of years, we've had some pretty notable um, comedy sequels come out, like especially ones long after the original uh, was released. And it kind of made me think, what's what do you guys do? You guys think that there's a difference between a norm, like a regular like sequel and, and a comedy sequel? I mean, is there something inherent inherent about comedy sequels that makes it harder to? harder to produce a quality one because I feel like, I mean, comedy is one of the more subjective uh, pieces of entertainment. And uh, if you strike gold once, I feel like it's a lot harder to strike it twice um, in terms of comedy. So how do you guys feel about, like, are you guys more reticent to see a comedy sequel than you are another sequel, a superhero sequel or anything like that? I I say so. Uh, Mainly because with comedy sequels, when something strikes... A lot of times the sequel, they just try to just rehash what worked really well for the first one. And that's, to me, normally the downfall of a mm-hmm. comedy se- sequel. Because we, we've seen it good. Uh, you did it better the first time. Right. Yeah, I agree. Cause all, and another thing is that comedy sequels are almost always, and like they're just cash grabs. Mm-hmm. They're almost mm-hmm. never planned. I mean, I 
there's hardly any comedy sequels you can name that were actually planned, you know, mm-hmm. as, as compared to like a, a superhero trilogy, you know, they're talking about everything's a trilogy now. Yeah. And, you know, they, they plan them out to an extent, but comedy sequels, they're almost never planned. And it's, I think you can tell. It's, that's true. There is yeah. no yeah, dumb good, and dumber shared universe or anything. Right. <laughs> Todd Phillips tried to argue or tried to say that he originally intended the hangover series to be a trilogy. I, I have a hard time buying that though. Yeah. Me too. Uh, yeah. I no. No, uh, nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I. It's funny. I didn't. I didn't think to bring up any of the Hangover movies. I did well, not like the second one. They're pretty rehash, uh, or not rehash, but they're they've been over. Like yeah. people have gone over those. Oh yeah. yeah. And I love the first one, but I mean those other two. I don't know. I have a. I, I like the third one. I thought. Uh, me really? too. Actually, yeah. I liked it. Really? I thought it was pretty funny. I I think that they changed up enough, and I thought the jokes. I I thought it was kind of a good black comedy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think that that's part of why I didn't connect with it. Is I was not expecting that. Like there was some sequences in there that it kind of went just full on drama or even yeah. thriller, and I was like, I was, like it. It just was off putting to me. Um. I did really like the uh, in the second one. The one thing I liked about it was the <laughs> the chase sequence. I thought it was at least filmed <laughs> really well. Um, Ironic is like, what did you love about that comedy? The car chase, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, but yeah, we're <laughs> the Hangover series is one that I really liked the first one, but. The other two I didn't like. I'm I'm surprised to hear you guys like the third one. So. Yeah, I didn't hate the second one. Um, I'll watch it still, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the third one. No, obviously, hang the first thing was the best, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be curious to revisit part three just to see if I like it. I doubt that I will, but <laughs> apparently there was a there's supposed to be a, a little scene that they wanted to shoot at the end of horrible, maybe not the end, but sometime in horrible bosses too. Where they're going to have uh, the three characters: Jason Sudeikis, uh, Charlie Day, and Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman, Jason Bateman. are walking out of the bar uh, where Mother Effer Jones is, and while they're walking out, apparently the Hangover th- people were walking in to meet Mother Effer Jones, and uh, but apparently they couldn't get everyone in uh-huh. on the same schedule to do it. That would be that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I would have loved that. That would have been a nice a nice little thing. Yeah, that'd been funny. Um, yeah, it's, you know, before we get into our actual picks, we each have three, three movies we're going to be discussing. Um, before we get into that though, why do you guys think there isn't like some weird shared universe? I mean, that's all the craze now is like expanded universes, shared universes, kind of overarching thing, like storylines and, and, uh, universes and everything. Say universes more times. Um, <laughs> but I wonder why. Like we've established that yes, comedy comedy sequels, comedy franchises are cash grabs by pretty much by definition. Um but why don't they try to franchise it out more in terms of, you know, zany uh uh shared universes, I guess. Is that even possible? Do well, you guys think that would be possible? You it, it's probably possible, but you're when you're talking about shared universes, you're talking about a lot of properties that have been around for decades. And yeah. a lot of comedies are you know Original may not be the greatest uh, word to use when talking about comedies, but mm-hmm. a lot of them are just you know one offers and don't have like you know decades of storylines to build upon or uh, fan fest to to work on. You know you got Marvel and DC, of course you got right. you know all kinds of material to work for to make a, a, a shared universe. But with comedies, you know it's 
not a whole lot of intricate backstory with uh, comedy universes. So a lot of them are just like, here's the movie, and we'll see what, where we go from there. Right. I, I, was, I agree with that. That's in the same vein that I was going to say, because a lot of comedies are like low budget. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even you know, even if you're someone like Todd Phillips who did Hangover, or if you're Judd Apatow or uh, the Farrelly Brothers, whoever, um, you know, you're probably only going to get twenty, thirty million dollars to make mm-hmm. a movie. You're not, That's you're not going to get a ton of movie, and you're not going to get a ton of money, and it's you're not going to really. You're just trying to get the one movie made because it's hard to get the one movie made. Right. You know, comedies are are really hit or miss, and mm-hmm. it's they're probably probably some of the biggest gambles as far as genre goes is a comedy because it's just it's like you said it's so such a subjective thing um you just never know what's going to make be so funny when you're reading a script you know i think once you start filming you can kind of get a feeling like hey this is going to be a special kind of comedy here but hmm. I, I think just in, in the from the production side it's hard to really you know take take something as ambitious as a as a shared universe mm-hmm. in a comedy world into a you know a pitch if you will and that's actually, true. and actually get it funded because I'm like, no, this is if it fails, <laughs> you know, it's gonna, yeah, so. yeah, that's there, true. There have been a couple that have done it very low key, like Kevin Smith's movies yeah. all, oh, yeah. all occur within the same sort wow. of universe. I don't view askew universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah the view askew. So I, I just mean, imagine all like a bunch of listeners <laughs> like screaming at us, telling us the view askew universe because right. that yeah. is the one shared. But but it's very low key. I mean, it's yeah. you, you have to be a, a really. You really have to watch those movies to see where different character names come into play, and right. and it's usually something like, "Oh, my cousin's sister, so and so." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's not exactly as intricately drawn as like a Marvel universe, but it's it does happen. Mm-hmm. And the Ferrelli right. brothers too, to a lesser extent, they have you know all, all their movies usually take place in like Rhode Island mm-hmm. or right. you know even in. Uh, New Me, e- myself, and I, Irene, yeah. uh, they like even make a uh, reference to ah, the 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 trucker and and Dumb and Dumber. Seabass. Uh, Seabass. Yeah. Oh, at the, really? at, the very, at the very end, he uh, like one of the uh, Rhode Island State Troopers, Jim Carrey goes and Seabass and nods his head at him. So, <laughs> you know, Frelly Brothers yeah. done to a lesser extent, but yeah, View Askew definitely has tried, hmm. uh, but not nothing to the context of Marvel or yeah, yeah. And uh, that's probably the most ambitious form of a shared universe in terms of comedy movies is, is the View of Skinniverse. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he just kind of, you know, more like little Easter eggs and cameras right. and stuff. He kind of stumbled um, into it. <laughs> yeah. And there was a, um, I mean, even like back with the Sony leaks and stuff, there was talk of 20, uh, 22 Jump Street and Men in Black. So, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess they're, they are kind of thinking about that. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I'd call that a shared universe more so than just like a crossover. Yeah, yeah, like the Jetsons and the Flintstones doing. Uh, <laughs> right, you know. right. I think it's with the with the anticipation of of making more movies. I don't know, um, but yeah. So we each have three movies, and we're gonna dig into them. And since we were just talking about uh, me, myself, and Irene, and and Dumb and Dumber and all that, I'll just go ahead and jump off with my first one if you guys don't mind. Go for it. Sure. So I watched this movie last night, 20 years after the original Dumb and Dumber. The Farrelly Brothers released Dumb and Dumber 2 last year. Well, don't forget about Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Did they make that one, though, or was that somebody else? That was not them. I was going to say, I didn't that think was, that was, uh, it wasn't yeah. them. But it was the same. Yeah, same it was universe. the same. Yeah. Same universe. <laughs> well, um, 
for those uh, dumb and dumber purists out there, <laughs> this movie negates that. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't follow the canon of Dumb and Dumber. Throws out the extended universe. It does. <laughs> and, uh, so this movie was not good. I I really did, did. Either have you either one of you guys seen it? No. I flat out refused to see it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So and that's smart because <laughs> the original movie, like I. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved it. Uh, when it when it first came out, I was what seven or eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably saw it like a, two years after that. Was, so I was like, was it that long ago? Was that, yeah, ninety four. Ninety four. Ninety four. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I saw it and I I loved it. I was right at that age where like the stupid, dumb, dumbass humor was like right in my wheelhouse, and uh, when. But the magic of Dumb and Dumber is that as I grew older and rewatched it and everything, I still found the characters really endearing. And, uh, like, I mean, they're, they're ridiculously stupid. They're really over the top. They're dumb, obviously. But you still root for them and you're, you get behind them with their, their dumb antics and everything. Um, especially when they get into a, into a, uh, situation where they, they could potentially be killed. <laughs> The sea bass situation. Yeah. <laughs> so Dumb and Dumber Two kind of follows a similar kind of kind of plot. It's they're going across the country um, to find Harry's um, daughter that was given up for adoption, and uh, they stumble into this 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 plot that they are um, potentially um, potential danger could befall them on this journey. And there's something about this movie that even though I cared about these characters in the first movie, I wanted to watch them die in this movie <laughs> because the humor, I don't mean that in like a really morbid way. It's just like I, I had nothing to to root for these characters for. I, I didn't find them endearing this time. Which is funny because they're basically the same characters. Exactly. And and they kind of, they do the same, they do this similar antics. Jim Carrey is a little, he's like forcing it a little too much. It's It's kind of... And maybe it's because they're twenty years older themselves, and I mean they've they've both aged fairly well, but it's it's kind of different to see them in their uh, how old are they like probably in their fifties, early fifties, late forties, and they've all done uh, you know they've made a couple of uh, misses, but they've done a lot of like legitimate work since Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've had they've had really big careers and everything, but I mean just seeing them now, maybe it's just more sad to see them. <laughs> um, uh, do this, uh, uh, per- perform this way, and uh, but even that, even that's giving it giving it a little too much credit because the jokes just don't land that well. Like they they follow this. Uh, I'm not going to pick apart the logic of the plot of Dumb and Dumber Two, but it's just very weak setups for for them to go on to this journey and all that it's just it's so it's it's dumb it's it's really like you can't you can't think too much about it um but once like they for example they get to a uh they get to a a house of a friend who know who they feel like they would know how to find someone to to get contact with the daughter basically so they go to this old friend's house and then they they talk to his parents and they, it kind of is slowly revealed that the guy died, and they're just really obnoxious and and um, very insensitive about it, and kind of their 
goofy way, but it's more like not necessarily. It's kind of mean spirited, and it's just it just didn't feel feel like the characters Lloyd and and Harry from from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And it reached a point toward the end of the movie where I I just didn't feel like watching it anymore. <laughs> I, I was I felt that way watching the trailer. Yeah, yeah. It was it was bad. I did they rehash a lot of the same jokes? Is it, that's the way the trailer made it look like? It's just they did quite a bit. Uh, there, there's there's a couple things that were I, that landed pretty well. Like I I actually kind of it got a nice little chuckle out of me. But there's a lot of um sa- the same music cues mm-hmm. uh, from the first movie kind of kind of played out here, and it, it's less of an homage and more of a hey, remember how good we were? Yeah. <laughs> um, at least that's my take from it. But that's a shame. Yeah, for the most part, it just I mean like. For those two or three scenes that are pretty okay, um, it was more like it was just more stupid humor, like stupid humor, but without the endearing aspect of the characters. Like there's um, they're, they're they have a bike and they're uh, Harry is on the back of the bike and and um, uh, Lloyd is is riding the bike. And so they're like, why don't we just take a bus? And then Harry's, uh, Lloyd's like, well, uh, they won't let me have a bike. And then uh, Harry's, uh, Harry's like, and this is all in like the first third of the movie, so it's not really spoiling anything. But Harry's like, well, they have bike racks on the front of the buses now. And then cut to a shot of a bus with them on the bike on the front of the bu- bike rack <laughs> running. And like, it's not funny. <laughs> don't do it. Like, I kind of nope. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, well, from my from my perspective, I saw that and I was like, oh, oh. Uh, no, <laughs> like it was kind of like a, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. So, so yeah, I'd be curious to see what you guys thought of Dumb and Dumber too, but I would not, I would not recommend you guys spend your time watching it. I, I might watch it and out of nothing more than just to see how pitiful it was. Yeah. But I'll definitely see it at some point. Nice. Yeah. I just, I hope it doesn't ruin because I still love Dumb and Dumber the original. Mm-hmm. I just hope it doesn't ruin it for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of of the thought that I don't think that a sequel can necessarily ruin the original, or at least I'm trying to think in that respect. So, I, while I, while I said that I hope that these characters died in this movie, <laughs> if I go back and watch the original, it'll still have it for me. I'll, I'll still, I'll just block this out of my mind. Um, Entirely, pretty much. I will say that Rob Riggle was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I like Rob Riggle just about everything. Yeah. Even uh, that cop movie that you you apparently enjoyed, but I hated. But um, cop. The other guys? Uh, the no. Other guys? Oh no, no, that's an amazing oh. movie. Um, <laughs> Uh, the one where the guys pretend to be police officers. Uh, let's be cops. Oh, let's oh, be yeah. cops. Did I like that? You, you. Well, I thought it was okay. Thought it was okay. I, I, I liked, I liked it. Hated yeah. it. Really? Not, yeah. So I liked it. I think it was a squandered opportunity to make a to make a good to showcase the acting talent of its two leads, and uh, it was just weak overall. Yeah, weak sauce. Yeah. So, uh, Fekus, do you want to do your first one? Yeah, I'll start off. Uh, I'm going to do order of uh, my. To me, which was the most successful and the least successful of these. So I'll start okay. off with Ted 2. Um, first of all, I, I love the original Ted. Um, of course, it's ridiculous. Uh, McFarley. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, uh, Seth, Seth, Seth McFarlane. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but it, it's his humor. Uh, it's almost – you might as well just uh, cut and paste some of the characters from Family Guy into the original Ted. Mm. But, it's, but it's hilarious. It's ridiculous pop culture uh, nonsense and a talking teddy bear that smokes pot. <laughs> so it, for me, you couldn't really miss with the original Ted. 
Um, I, I was apprehensive when they said Ted 2 was coming out, especially mm-hmm. after the uh, the fail that was uh, A Million Ways oh. to Die is Die in the West. That was so bad. It was horrible. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was apprehensive. And you can argue that Ted 2 is a lot of the same of Ted, which, yeah, it, it's kind of true. But to me, it, it's still a lot of the points hit, and it was still hilarious to me. I mean, yeah, you're still talking about a, uh, you know, a, a live teddy bear that smokes pot. But it's the premise is, again, it's ridiculous. But it for me, it works. If you haven't seen it yet, um, Ted is now married to... Uh, Tammy Lynn, the <laughs> the uh, girl from the grocery store, and it's it's a pretty hilarious setup, kind of morbid, but they're they're arguing, and they're having this whole domestic dispute in their apartment, and it gets kind of violent, but it's funny <laughs> because it's this human versus this teddy bear, <laughs> and you know they're throwing beer bottles and all this kind of stuff, and. <laughs> They finally come to the conclusion, well, we have to save our marriage. Let's have a baby, which <laughs> it's hilarious because, you know, that's the kind of thing that gets made fun of a lot when it comes to, you know, Maury Povich relationships. Right. Uh, but so depressing. <laughs> right. So obviously they can't have a baby baby. So mm. they, they want to adopt and some somewhere along the lines. Um they can't adopt because they decide that Ted is not legally a person. So the whole premise is Ted trying to get a legal status as being a person. <laughs> and in the midst of all this, um, Giovanni Ravici uh, mm-hmm. from the first one is back in it again. Huh. And he's a janitor now for the toy company that created Ted. <laughs> <laughs> and so he proposes to the toy company. He's like, hey, look, let's. Let's back this uh, lawsuit and make sure Ted becomes an inanimate object. That way we can just take him and we can dissect Ted and find out what really makes him tick. And we oh can make God. all kinds of Ted. Jesus. So, and it's funny because the Giovanni Ravici storyline is kind of in the background the entire time until the very end. Uh, so, you know, the, the most of the movie is focused on Ted trying to get his, uh, I don't know, human ship right. established <laughs> with the help of. Uh, his his I can't remember uh, Mark Wahlberg's character in the mm-hmm. in the movie, but and uh, the the pot smoking lawyer and ah. uh, Amanda Seyfried, which she she does a really good job. I, I I've always thought she was decent and she was good in Loveless and uh, mm-hmm. everything else, but she, she she's good in the in the comedy too. But the, the interaction between Ted and Mark Wahlberg and uh, Amanda Seyfried, it's to me is hilarious, and the, even the background stuff with Giovanni Ravici to me is hilarious because. He's so awkward, and <laughs> you, you don't want to watch because he's a train wreck, but he does such a good job of being a crazy train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of miss his son and from oh, the yeah. first one. His his son was hilarious. I was kind of hoping for him <laughs> to be in it, but he wasn't. But, um, yeah, I to me, it, it just hit all the good marks again, and I, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And one of the best parts for for me was that towards the end, like it, the whole thing comes to a head at New York Comic Con. Okay. So you're you're talking my world now. So <laughs> you, they always make the ridiculous jokes of pop culture, and now you're in a comic con, which is great. Right. Yeah. So you have uh, one character from the original, um, the guy that plays Joe Swanson's voice on Family Guy. I can't remember oh, yeah. his name. Oh uh, yeah, Patrick Warburton. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he's uh, now dating the guy that played Worf on Star Trek. 
Okay. Wow. Um, oh, that's right. He had that whole that, that he had that whole arc in the first one. Okay. Yeah. So they're at <laughs> Comic Con now. Just randomly happened to be at Comic Con when the whole Ted issue is coming to a head. But it's hilarious because the guy that plays Worf on Star Trek is dressed as a terrible Worf for Comic Con. <laughs> And uh, the guy that does Joe Swanson's voice is dressed as a terrible version of the Tick, who he played in live action. Oh, that's awesome. And so their whole thing is they're at Comic-Con to make fun of the nerds. So they go around just beating up all these nerds (laughs) at Comic-Con dressed up as the Tick and Worf from Star Trek. Wow. And it's it's hilarious. Nice. That's pretty Uh, funny. So to me, that, that just... That part really hit the mark for me. And, uh, and of course, it it all comes to a ridiculous conclusion, you know, where, uh, Ted can finally become, well, maybe I shouldn't spoil it. Right, (laughs) right. Um, but it's, it's hilarious. Uh, I let a lot of, uh, read a lot of mediocre to bad reviews of it. And I, and I, I get what they're saying. Yeah, there's a lot of rehash, but there's nothing in Ted 2 that if you didn't like from Ted 1, you wouldn't have liked in Ted 2. So, which, Maybe lazy writing on Seth MacFarlane's part, but it to me, it hit, and I, I thought it was hilarious. I, I thought it was a really solid sequel. And I, I just, yeah, maybe I just and uh, love that type of humor too much, but, you know, I'm 31 <laughs> years old, I can do what I want. Right. <laughs> Tiny, you didn't see Ted 2, did you? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I saw the first Ted, it took two viewings to really kind of appreciate it, and even then, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I just thought, you know, it's pretty funny. Uh, so I'm curious what I'll think of that, especially after just the disaster that was uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West, which, uh, as a small tangent, then we'll go to Tiny's first one. Um, I heard a podcast about uh, reviewing, might have been Slash Filmcast, uh, reviewing Ted or, or uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West, and they said that they wonder if this is the kind of movie that, I think one of them said like that, they wonder if that... That's the kind of movie that will get a cult following like later on and be like kind of appreciated later, because... The humor is really, really dumb, but maybe it'll get like some kind of following. It hasn't yet, and I don't see that happening. But I did, wanted to get your guys' take on that real quick. It's only been a year, maybe. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I, I guess I've never seen that kind of phenomenon in my generation, mm-hmm. where a really terrible movie kind of, you know, gains a cult following. Uh, you know, I was my generation wasn't the Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. I. Troll two, maybe yeah. the best. I mean, like a cult following, like like uh, I, airplane would be my go to thing. But I think I, I don't know if that was successful in the theater or not. But like a like a genuine like like comedy following, like Office Space kind of thing. Because mm. um, I I but I don't know how there would be an audience for that because that movie was just I, not good. I'd have to hear somebody say something good about it. I, <laughs> I have no Pardon? idea. Yeah, I, I mean, I I. <laughs> Pretty much echo what what Fekka said. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. If that were a bet in Vegas, I wouldn't take that bet. So yeah. I, fair enough. Uh, Tiny, what's your first one? Uh, I'm gonna go with the most the the youngest one, if you will, on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys kind of went with the younger ones too. Uh, I'm gonna go with this is forty. Nice. And it's sort of a weird choice because it's kind of an unofficial sequel. Mm-hmm. I mean, the two main characters in that movie are obviously playing the same characters they played in uh knocked up right um there's no there's no way around that they're in the same house and it's this it's just the same characters um and not, not much is really different um but it's not you know it's it's just it, it's technically a sequel but it's kind of not it's I guess. self-contained self-contained yeah um you know it's not knocked up too or whatever right <laughs> um 
But yeah, it was... Didn't uh, use a condom again. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked up to the streets. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Tiny. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's uh, this this movie kind of gets a, a lot of crap. And I think it does because the... I think the the audiences of the two movies are so different because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Knocked Up was really appealed to people in their late teens and early 20s and mid-20s maybe um, who were kind of clinging on to irresponsibility and, and not being like a true adult and taking care of yourself and being financially responsible and just kind of embracing that and having fun with it. And, and you know, of course the characters grew, grew throughout uh, Knocked Up. But it was it kind of celebrated that, and that's where a lot of the comedy was generated in that that first movie, and so it appealed to that that generation and that that demographic. But obviously, obviously, it's right in the title for this is forty. It's for people who are forty, you know, right. approaching forty, and their kids are becoming teenagers and um and lost fans, lost fans. Yes, yeah, yes. The kids are becoming lost fans. Like <laughs> yes. Every kid should be. <laughs> I'm genuinely serious. I, love I, that I show. know. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think the audiences are just so different that you know, all, uh, I think a bunch of people who are fans of Knocked Up came to This Is Forty thinking there was going to be something because people are dumb, um, <laughs> <laughs> thinking that thinking it was going to be some kind of similarity. But it just they're just totally different, different subgenres of the comedy genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think the movie suffered for that, and I, it got a lot of it caught a lot of flack for that. It got it got kind of mixed reviews. Some people thought it was good, um, and of course it's it's a typical it's a typical Apatow movie, which we talked about it when we talked about Trainwreck a little mm-hmm. bit. Twenty minutes too long. Yeah, yeah. way too long. Uh, the, I, I love the way that Pat put it from the nerds you're looking for. He's like, I'm not sure Judd Apatow has ever been in an editing room. Yeah. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that comment. Yeah. I was I was jealous of his of his prowess on that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could credit that with. Mine. Yeah, that was perfect way to put it. Yeah, I don't think he has. It, yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, and so this one was it was too long, and there was so much that could have been cut out, and you know, it, it has it certainly has its flaws, but even. Even seeing it in 2012, I mean, I was 25 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I connected with a lot of it and thought it was really funny because I, you know, I I know people who are in their late 30s yeah. or 40, and you know, like I was a teenager. I didn't, I know what it's like to to be a 13 year old who's trying to grow up and how much you you kind of hate your parents and want to want to be an adult and never want to be at home and don't spend time with your family and all mm-hmm. that. And, uh, I I, I I connected to it associatively, I guess. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. I've, I've never experienced all that, um, but I just—I thought it was endearing the way, you know, this family was so self-aware of its flaws, and and kind of it, it was about family in a different way than Knocked Up was, um, and I respected it for that. That it, you know, it didn't it didn't dwell on everything mm-hmm. from the first movie and. I don't know. I thought the acting was great. I thought there was some fun writing. Um, I thought the uh, some of the more dramatic parts were really pretty well acted and well written for the most part. Um, and I laughed at it a lot. I thought it was really funny. I I I, I connected with Paul Rudd's character so much because <laughs> I 
I'm driven nuts. I loved all the music stuff because you know he wanted to, he mm-hmm. was like a purist and right. he loved you know he's like he likes good music because it's good. He doesn't like stuff because it's oh you can dance to it or it's got a really good beat or whatever. And right. just, I love that scene where he tries to play the. I think it was like a um, it was like a grunge song. I forget who it was. It was like a, it was like Pearl Jam or something. And then like his wife and his two daughters turn on Nicki Minaj, and <laughs> oh, they're like, yeah. I was like, oh my god, I <laughs> want sons. Um, it was like I just I connected with with his character so much in that respect, and I don't know. I thought it was a pretty a pretty solid movie. I think I nice. think it gets a little a little too much flack. Um, Did you rewatch and, it re- recently? I haven't watched. I think I watched. I've only seen it once, maybe. Okay. So I was. I was just curious. Maybe twice. Okay. Um. But yeah. I. I mean. I. I liked it, and I think it was a. It was. A, it was a fun way to kind of, be a sequel, but be totally reinventive. Right. They didn't. You know. They didn't re- rehash anything. They just kind of stayed in the same universe, if you will. Yeah. To an extent. It's kind of indicative of, Apatow's method of filmmaking. Like he kind of takes certain aspects of of life family life and and mm-hmm. single life even in his earlier movies and stuff and it's kind of like a progression if you watch if you watch it's a it's a progression from uh, the 40 year old virgin to funny uh, people to funny yeah. people yeah. And, yeah and this is 40 and even a train wreck even though he didn't he didn't write it but it's kind of an interesting tra- uh, uh, trajectory there that yeah. it covers different very very different aspects of of life and and family and, mm-hmm. and relationships and stuff like that absolutely um and i do want to mention that you did bring up uh this is 40 on the second episode of the obsessive viewer did i really yeah (laughs) the uh it's in it's in the title of it i don't i don't know what you said about it then but i'd be curious to go back and and listen to that i probably hated it (laughs) i think you you might have disliked it and i'm kind of curious if that's you know it's been two years and i kind of wonder if it's like you're in a different place in your life so i probably need to see it again no i kind of wonder if it's uh, affected your opinion of it maybe um yeah it's interesting yeah Fekus, what do you think of This Is 40? Well, I'm not allowed to watch it yet. Um, huh. Me and my wife both want to watch it, and we always forget that it's on HBO. <laughs> and, ah. But I want it. We, we're both really uh, pumped to see it. We just haven't got around to watching it. So. Wow. I thought but. you were going to say that, that your wife told you, like, we can't watch this until we're 40. This is 40, Robert. This is not 31. That's no, I, I'm. I have high expectations of it just because Paul Rudd. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that guy could play a statue, and I'd probably relate to that statue. But that's a clever way to do it, man. Paul, yeah. Well. Right. <laughs> nice. Great. I uh, yeah. I'll I'll have to revisit it too at some point. I kind of want to go back yeah. and watch more of Apatow's stuff. Just I've seen all the stuff, but I would like to see it again just to see what see what. Uh, I think of it now. That's funny. Like, I was I was actually thinking about that the other day, wanting to revisit Knocked Up, just because mm-hmm. it's been so long since I watched that, and just kind of want to have my thoughts on it now. It's like Forty Year Old Virgin to me is always going to be good, but I could see myself going back to Knocked Up and not being as enamored with it as I originally was. Oh, me too. Right. But yeah, yeah I want to revisit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so that's this is forty, and uh, my next one for this for this topic is I'm trying to decide which one. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go chronological, reverse chronological order, I guess. Horrible Bosses 2. Um, this came out, was it last year? Uh, yes, last year. And, uh, I meant to read my review on Obsessive Viewer for it, but I can't, I didn't get around to it, but, um, 
to refresh myself. But I just recently rewatched it. I, what I've been doing is when I edit the podcast, I just I set my laptop uh, on my lap um, on my couch and I just watch a movie in the background with the closed captioning on while I edit. So I watched Horrible Bosses 2 and man, this, it, you know, this is a good example of a comedy sequel that takes takes what was good about the first one and expands it but keeps it grounded in the rules of the first one like it's it's a very well done comedy sequel in my opinion it has a lot of the same kind of things um the inclusion of jennifer aniston was a little felt a little kind of forced in it a little bit but i felt like it was still it was still a good inclusion in in the script and one of the things that i liked and this might be a tangent but in the first movie I know that a lot of people kind of thought that, at least from what I read, a lot of people thought that Colin Farrell's uh, character was a little too over the top. Yeah, and uh, uh, I loved uh, I his loved character. I, I did I, I loved him too. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. Like he was over the top, but he was yeah, but he I don't was know. great. I, I don't know. He was one of my favorite parts. Of yeah, the original. just uh, yeah. Like I was thinking about that today when I was thinking of of the of the shows I want or the movies I wanted to bring up, and I just kept thinking thinking in my head. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the way that the way that he says his special little magic chair. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so so the thing about horrible bosses is that it's contingent on the villains to be a good movie. Like it's it's still you still have the three the three main leads run the show and everything, but they need convincing villains and and good villains. And horrible bosses two doesn't take the same approach as. The first one, which is refreshing, it's not a retread of it. Like they even set up at the end of Horrible Bosses, they set up like new bosses that, uh, you know, they kind of give the hint, like, well, maybe they'll be, you know, killed. Um, <laughs> but this is a whole new setup, and it's they're all they're self um, they're self employed, and they have this whole this whole kidnapping plot that I thought just breathed just breathed life into the sequel and separated it from the first one. And there's a lot of genuine com- uh, comedic moments out of it. Um, especially when they plan the heist or, or plan the, uh, plan the big, the big, uh, the, uh, uh the big, I don't want to give away. Yeah. I don't want to give away what it is, but it, like the plan out the big crime and the, the camera cuts to this really like well shot, well lit, like sequence that like feels like you're in like a, a legitimate crime movie. Very uh, oceans. Very uh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, it was very satisfying uh, in the end. I mean, and it added Christoph Waltz and uh, 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 Chris Pine, and uh, like the turn in Chris Pine's character when they when they the the plot is that they want to kidnap him to get money, but the turn when he when he kind of um, gets on their side. I guess I that might be a spoiler, but I mean I apologize. Um, when he when he gets on their side and and gets behind them on that like that's like just pure comedy from him and i i really i really loved it uh i need to buy it too i actually i borrowed it from my sister like months ago but um yeah what'd you guys think of horrible bosses too i uh first of all i loved it i and mm-hmm. chris pine impressed me I, yeah. I i did not see that kind of comedic range with with him it's like yeah he's kirk he's quirky and uh mm-hmm. funny but not in a ridiculous sort of way and i th- I thought he really uh he worked well i i feel like christoph waltz was underused he yeah because i i really enjoy him and just about everything i see I, and when he was in it he was good but yeah. i just 
And he was also just kind of a like more straight villain. He, yeah, he didn't have like that. He didn't have any like great really comedic yeah, moments that, like, for me. Quirk to him or anything. But the three main characters, you know, they man, they they work well together. There's, I mean, oh yeah, pure chemistry with them. So I mean, you love watching them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I agree. The uh, movie did a great job of adding to what worked for the from the first one and just making the second one its own. So oh, absolutely. Tiny, what do you think? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh wow. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I'll. Uh, I want to though. I like the first one. Yeah, I'll have to loan you my sister's DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. Yeah, I'd be very curious uh, what you think of it. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, and and to speak about the about the main the main leads, the three leads. I mean, just those those three. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you can find a better like trio of of comedic yeah. actors like i mean like i i really really love jason sudeikis just he has that kind of just ass um kind of that wry kind of persona to him and it's like it plays off of charlie day and uh jason bateman so well in these movies and i don't know if they'll i don't know if they'll do a third one or if that's even in in discussions or anything and i don't know after seeing what um the writers, I, I know that the writers of the first, uh, the first one, is uh, John Francis Daly and his writing partner. I don't know if they wrote the second one, but um, they did write Vacation, the new Vacation movie. And after seeing that, I'm not sure I want a Horrible <laughs> Bosses three. I I'm gonna see that, but I don't want to. Don't don't yeah. pay money. <laughs> I mean, pay as little money as you can for Maybe it. Dollar fifty red box. Yeah, 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 yeah. That and Fantastic Four. You know, it's it's yeah. funny saying that you wonder whether or not they'll make a third one because after the first one, I when I heard they were making a second one, I was like, "Damn it, no, you're gonna ruin yeah. it." And now, you know, I saw the second one, I loved it, mm-hmm. but I'm still under that same impression. Like, yeah. If I hear them say three, I'll be like, "Damn it, no, you, right. you, you two good ones. All right? <laughs> don't don't do it." But we'll, we'll see. I mean, and I will say that the opening scene of Horrible Bosses two when they. I won't say what it is or what they say, <laughs> but when they re- when they when uh when the news uh to set it up they they're on the news to to pitch this product that they've they they've made it's like a local news thing, uh and when one of the hosts asks where they can find this product, uh Jason Bateman looks at him and says says uh, a a pair of a few words and like the impact of what he says. And then the <laughs> the realization of what he just said, and the realization of of their brand being this 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 word that sounds like this, uh, it was so so hysterical it to was me. Good. Like I saw it at I saw it at a, an advanced screening before it came out, and uh, like throughout the rest of the movie, when it, the first time I saw it, the rest of the movie, I was laughing about that that like first <laughs> joke intermittently. Throughout the rest of the movie, it was that it was that funny. So yeah, wow. Yeah, so, I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. And def- I've just I've just built it up for you, Tiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're gonna hate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Fekus, what's your next one? Uh, the next one I'm gonna be talking about is Anchorman Two, and I felt this was odd that it was made to begin with, um, <laughs> because Adam McKay he he made a lot of comments after Anchorman Two wrapped. About he'll he'll never do a sequel again, and I, I 
And that's fair. Uh, someone like Adam McKay, I don't see him doing a lot of sequels to begin with, but this came a good amount of years after the original Anchorman. And ten years, ten years, yeah, and almost to the point where who who are you making this for? Yeah, <laughs> and well, like, yeah, maybe if uh, when the original Anchorman came out, maybe then maybe I would have been like, yeah, give me Anchorman too. But you go ten years, and I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> so I, I mean, I walked into this movie um, apprehensive. So, and I kind of walked out with a feeling of, eh, okay. I mean, it, it wasn't the greatest thing, but it didn't disappoint me like I I really felt it could have. Um, a lot of the thing problems I had with it, you know, ironically, I'll say this because, you know, what I loved about Ted Two is the fact that they added you know, a lot of the same jokes from Ted one, but they did that again with anchorman too, but I just don't think it was as effective. Um, like the, the whole, um, newscaster fight at the end. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it, it started off fine. A lot of good cameos. And then it just kept on adding mm, and yeah. adding and adding. And I'm like, okay, okay. All right. Great. Great. Fine. Come to, uh, you know, come to the fight. So, um, and it was, it was all right, but at, that last having that be like the end of it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth for yeah. it. So, but leading up to it, I felt like there was a lot of good stuff into it. Like uh, getting the gang back together, I thought that was a lot of, of fun, especially when they uh, go visit um, Champ and he's uh, he's got the yeah. chicken restaurant, but he's selling nothing but fried bats. Right, <laughs> I thought the whole whole part was hilarious. Yeah, and see, uh, Brick's funeral part, I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was good. Um. So there, to me, there's a lot, lot to like about the movie, but again, it's just nothing really just hit home run like the original one did. Right. Like they tried, um, the, uh, little tiff between, uh, uh, Ron Burgundy and Jack, Le- Jack Lemon or Lane, yeah, Le- LeMay like or something, something like that. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Cyclops. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> James Marsden, James, James Marsden. Marsden. Um, that, that was kind of entertaining, <laughs> but again, it just, it wasn't as good as uh, Ron Burgundy against uh, Christian Applegate's character. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the scenes they had together in the original were were amazing, and they just it didn't hit that high point. So I agree. It's like I I, I bought it still um, because I enjoyed it enough, but um, I don't know it it was disappointing. It, yeah. It, to, I didn't hate it as much as perhaps I could have or as, as much as everybody else did, but, you know, I, I just kind of walked out with a sh- shoulder shrug, I guess. Yeah, I was kind of the same way. It felt really, just really bland, really mediocre, and uh, I think when I, when, I wrote, when I wrote my review of it, I was going through the, going through the archive of Obsessive Viewer, kind of going through uh, for, for my own personal reasons, and I remember, like, when I wrote that review, I'll probably... I'll probably cut this out. Um, when I wrote the review, I, I it was during a phase where I was like, I wanted to have a clever title for every review. It was <laughs> a horrible idea. But the title for that review is "It's Anchor Man, Not Anchor Mediocre Sequel." <laughs> um, That's awful. So dumb. So oh, dumb. Wow. But that that bit of comedy in that in that uh, that review was probably better than a lot of the stuff that didn't land for me in the movie. Um, it really was hampered by uh just disconnected storylines i thought i thought that like um uh uh champ or not champ but brick having like that little 
that romantic interest and in, in, was it Kristen Wiig? Kristen Wiig, yeah. Yeah, I thought that that was just like, it just derailed the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, completely. I, I, to me, that was almost like a, a means to get Kristen Wiig into the movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. But at the same time, I thought the comedy was pretty funny. Um, just those two interacting, I thought that was actually kind of funny, the way they... Sure. I, I mean, they, they're both very talented. Um, yeah. I think this, it would be... To this day, I'm still like, I like the way your skin wraps around <laughs> the, your skull. <laughs> just like the way she said that. I don't know, I thought it was funny. Sure, maybe if I revisit it, I might enjoy it, but I think that they would be better in a different movie. Cause yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I go with that. Um, I thought that the... One problem that I had with it, like the, it is, it's a minor, it's a minor thing, but plot-wise, it kind of had a uh, a big part of the plot is how they are, uh, how they they discover like trash news, like kind of just meaningless news stuff, which that alone is fine. Like they invented the twenty-four hour news cycle, and or or they invite they um they invented like the filler news news pieces for 24 hour news cycles and non news mm-hmm. cycles and stuff but i mean that's that's fine that's okay that that can bring some pretty decent comedy but uh that's basically the premise of the first movie yeah. like the big climax of the first movie is the to get panda watch um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just felt like okay like don't it felt weird that they would they would do that like they would retread that kind of uh, storyline to to an extent, but without, but while presenting it as if it's something new and new and entertaining, I guess. Um, well, it's twenty four hours, so it's it's brand new. Well, sure, yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. And I did like the jump to the to the eighties. I, I guess that could account for the. Uh, um, it was the eighties, right? Or seventies? So eighties. Yeah. This one was. No, uh, I think it was still in the in okay. the seventies. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that so. new era, at least. Um, yeah, the new era from the seventies to the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that new era from from local broadcast to cable uh, cable twenty four hour news, but uh, I guess that can account for the for the time jump uh, for the amount of time in between entries. But I don't know. I it just didn't. A lot of it just didn't land for me. It felt kind of just. I think the problem is that the first movie is such a uh, such a standout of comedy in terms of having so many just incredibly talented personalities um, on screen. It's clear. I, I don't know how much of it was improvised, but a lot of it cl- seemed pretty tailored to the actors' uh, sensibilities and everything. And I feel like that's something that uh, can really only be like lightning in a bottle, you can't catch it twice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Harrison Ford, like I, I, I like that Harrison Ford was in it, but I like, forgot it, he was in it. <laughs> well, and, and and that's that's the thing is like, why? Like he yeah. he wasn't very he wasn't used to a hilarious comedic uh, event. It was just like, well, he's here's Harrison Ford. He's your boss, and yeah. he's kind of a dick, but right. Yeah. But no, nothing but more Harrison special Ford than now. that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But huh. yeah, yeah, I yeah. I did like the stuff between him and his son. I thought it was kind of funny, like him, uh, you know, <laughs> teaching him. Oh about the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, uh, Ron's Ron's son. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, the, was a the interaction funny. between uh, him and his son I thought was pretty funny. But okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I you know unnecessary was mm-hmm. is a little long much, too. It was yeah. it was so agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's Anchorman two tiny. 
Yes. What's your next one? My next one, uh, again, to go in chronological order, reverse chronological order, uh, Meet the Fockers, the sequel mm. to Meet the Parents. Yes. Um, yeah, it just, man, really not good. <laughs> it's one of those situations where the filmmakers felt the need to amp everything up and, like, go to the next level of craziness. Mm-hmm. And it, it just went too far. It, it went beyond... It went beyond the subtlety and the relatability of the first movie, because most of us have been in the situation where, um, you know, we go and meet our significant other's parents, and we all we've all felt the stress of that, and and what that's like, um, and so we can all relate to that, and and this this sequel completely got away from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, th- there's no way they could recapture that, but they could have gone. They could have recaptured it to an extent, you know, of having your girlfriend's parents meet your parents. There's some stress there. It's not quite as stressful, but I don't know. They're, they're, they could have they could have just taken it a different direction. There was no need for uh, Dustin Hoffman's character to like clothesline Robert De Niro at one point, and there was no reason for Barbara Streisand to talk about all the men she slept with and be over overly ridiculously sexualized it just it was just dumb i mean i really didn't it, it was stupid to take it to that level of over the top comedy when the first one was so grounded and and it had some some semblance of realism even though all those that cacophony of so many things going wrong at once is kind of a little unrealistic it was still within the the realm of reality and this the second one just didn't didn't have that it was you know the they the the um Robert De Niro and his wife, Blythe Danner, they mm-hmm. drive there in their uh, their RV thing, and like a big RV. Yeah. And it's and at some point, like uh, Jack, Robert De Niro's character, like like pulls out this side panel and goes in. And he's like talking to like he like links up a satellite to somebody at the CIA, and he's got like his little <laughs> yeah. his little like bunker inside their RV where he does he conducts his cloak and dagger stuff i'm like really he has that built into his rv it's like a command center (laughs) yeah i remember that though yeah it's it's like something out of a gi joe cartoon that a villain would have it just it was just so over the top that it 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 lost its endearing any endearing quality that the first one had it it really just didn't it didn't capture that at all that i i think i saw meet the fuckers in the theater um yeah i think i don't remember any of it And and that's saying something because meet the parents I mean, that was like, for a while, that was like the go-to movie on HBO in yeah. the Hurt household uh, when it was on HBO. And it was like, I like I knew that movie backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And to be so underwhelmed by Meet the Fockers and so, it, it was forgettable to me. Yeah. Um, yeah very, I mean, very forgettable. Just yeah. the, um, I, I just love the first one. It's just so hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, the the part where they're having dinner at the table, and there's the, the classic line, well, I have nipples, Greg, you <laughs> yes. And then he, he tries to, you know, open the wine bottle, and the cork hits his mother's ashes. And yes. then the cat, the cat, comes the cat uses it. Like, I mean, all those, th- again, that's that doesn't happen. That's ridiculous. But it's within the realm of reality to the point where it's absolutely hysterical. Right. Like, that's still probably one of the funniest things. The first time I saw that, like, I remember we rented that from Blockbuster, and we watched it as a family, <laughs> and my dad was crying with laughter, because <laughs> my dad really loves physical comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, as do I, as does any 
red-blooded normal human being. <laughs> um, and we, we just, we couldn't even, we had to rewind it because we were laughing so hard we couldn't really hear the dialogue that well. Um, and there was absolutely nothing even close to that in the second movie. Yeah. So it's it's just, it was a shame how much that fell off between movies and the second one was just so unnecessary. And even if they were going to make it, they could have dropped it down a notch or two with their ridiculousness yeah. and, and made it more, more ground, much more grounded than, than over the top. So. The, the RV is the, like the one thing that stands out in my memory from that movie. Yeah. Cause I just remember just being flabbergasted. Like, what, why would he have this? Yeah. This, is, this makes no sense. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the, the grandson was like ridiculous. Like he was super smart and, I can't even remember. They were trying remember. to, you know, they were trying to do their weird, make him a super intelligent kid and like doing their weird exercises. Oh, yeah. Then he learns how to say shit from yeah. Ben Stiller. And... Was, I mean, sort of funny, but just, again, just not, it's just not grounded in reality. It's just mm-hmm. over, over the top. Yeah. That's a shame. Did either one of you watch, uh, was it Little Fockers? No, no, hell no. I, 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 for, heard... I forgot that that was, that was even a thing. Yeah, I, uh, I think I've got. I think I got maybe four minutes into it before I was like I, I like if, hmm. I was like I'm nope nope. <laughs> I wonder how many how many of the characters come back for it. I don't know. That's a good I, question. I'm curious. I I but I heard that it was just horrendous. So. I can imagine. So, yeah. I'll have to do a franchise review on the. That's website. a good idea. <laughs> do that. <laughs> the trilogy. Uh, so my final pick for this for this topic is uh, American Pie Two. So as of this recording, um, uh, Straight Outta Compton kind of just unseated American Pie 2, of, of all movies, to be the highest grossing uh, mid-August R-rated movie release or something weird like that. But it, I, I thought it was funny because American Pie 2, you wouldn't think that that would be it. Um, mm. That's why it has so many qualifications for that unseating. But anyway, American Pie 2 was released at a time in my life when I was in high school, and it's... I don't know, like American Pie. I watched that like in eighth grade, and uh, when I was far, not maybe not far too young to have watched it, but I was too young to really notice or, or catch some of the humor. Like uh, one of my favorite stories is that the the scene where um, uh, 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 Thomas Ian Nicholas um, is that his name? Is that the guy from uh, Rookie from, of the Year? Yeah, yeah, where he's going down on uh, Tara Reid. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. the tongue tornado scene. Yeah, and like her dad is walking up to her room <laughs> to tell her about dinner, and then like she says, "I'm coming, I'm coming." As he's about to open the door, he's like, "Oh, okay." Like I didn't like <laughs> eighth grade Matt. I, yeah. I, I I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. What was going on there? <laughs> so like like that next week, I was in like health class, and I just start dying laughing because I realized, <laughs> oh, <laughs> she, okay. she was coming. Yeah. So. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, so so American Pie 2 ha- holds kind of a special place in my heart because I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it was one of those movies that – one of those first movies like kind of right at the time where I was really kind of forging my, my tastes as um, – in terms of going out and seeking out movies on my own instead of just seeing like whatever is there. So like I kind of grew an attachment to American Pie, the first one, and to, to see the second movie um, – just just to revisit those characters and see them at a different place and um the kind of friendship elements of it kind of kind of um uh, i really enjoyed that aspect of it where um i think the character's name is kevin uh kevin's the guy played by uh 
He's Tara Reed's. Okay, yeah. He he's like all stressed out because he he wants them to stay friends after high school and all that. And it was just like I thought that was a nice little thing to to add into the movie. And uh the whole the whole idea of them renting renting a beach house for the summer. I mean, how awesome is that? That's um yeah, everybody's that's the dream. Like, everyone saw yeah. that and was like, "Man, that's the greatest idea." Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well. Oh yeah. So I I really I really enjoyed American Pie 2. It did it did hit some of the same the same notes of the first one, uh, and I did appreciate that they. I mean, they started the movie with them going to a high school party and realizing, like, hey, this is pretty lame. We're not, we don't belong here. Like, uh, uh, like Jason Biggs has that nice uh, that nice scene where he's like, "Are we? Are we? Um, are we the uh, cool college kids at yeah. the party, or are we the, like the loser older exactly. guys at the high school party?" Exactly. So, um, so the, and then when it goes from the, like that's the. That's kind of acted as if it's like, okay, well, this is us not going the same route as the first one, but it kind of it doesn't retread a lot. But I mean, there is that that one scene in uh, in the middle, the uh, that is kind of a the raunchy scene. Uh, um, You're talking about when they're in the uh, house. Yeah, the lesbian scene. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of how to how to phrase it as it's like the um, wow. Oh, okay. They have the one like the the token raunchy scene, like they had the uh, Shannon Elizabeth masturbating scene mm. in uh, in the first one, and then the second one has the the lesbian scene. It's like they're it was like they were like, okay, how can we how can we how can we do it better for the sequel? Okay, let's have two naked women. <laughs> um, At the time, I thought it was a great idea. Oh, it was a fantastic idea. Yeah. I have the wallpaper on my <laughs> computer, but um, no, it, it's a fantastic scene. Or it's it executed really well. It's kind of seeing it as an adult though, and realizing <laughs> like it's kind of creepy. Like it just, is very yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um, oh, I just remembered it. Okay. Yeah, they're yeah. in the closet oh. watching this happen. And yeah. Yeah, even the even the um the first movie too, like they're just filming this yeah. like this is yeah. this is not okay, guys. <laughs> Nowadays that's a story on Dateline NBC of why a sixteen year old's a sexual predator. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like the last uh the the last extended potpourri we did a couple of weeks ago, uh me and Mike were talking about that when we were talking about Scream. Go back and check that out because, yeah, it it has a plot line kind of similar to that where I'm like this, these characters are kind of, you know, borderline pedophiles. Not borderline pedophiles, but they're uh, they're 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 running the risk of, you know, being being uh, on the uh, list. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. And I found American Pie two to have some surprising, endearing moments. Like I said, the friendship thing, and also uh, uh, Jason Biggs's growth throughout the throughout the movie where he kind of realizes like oh the band geek girl is well spoiler alert um <laughs> when he realizes that the girl the object of his affection isn't the isn't the one that he's been chasing um and that that's kind of a kind of a trope for the rest of the movies i don't even remember american reunion i'm not i not even going to really grace that with a thing but like the the three movies american pie american pie 2 and american wedding they each have like a single one of the guy characters kind of coming to the realization of like like falling in love kind of thing, and I, I kind of like that for a raunchy teen sex comedy. Right. Um, it's a shame that the the franchise didn't really it kind of petered out after that. They had the direct to DVD releases that I I tried to watch like a couple of them, and they were kind of like one one of them has like one of Stifler's like cousins or something yeah. out of college, and like his whole like his arc is like he's 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 filming the girls like in the shower and everything and selling them. And like, he's like, he's like the, like we're supposed to believe him that he gets the girl at the end. I'm like, no, no, no. He, he gets the jail sentence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I'm like, what the hell? Um, mm. But it's it's funny because one of the and this is my last thing about American Pie too. But um, I think part of the reason why it didn't really have because I, I, would you guys agree that it kind of just went off the deep end after American Pie two? What'd you guys think of American Pie two? I've been talking a lot. I, I liked American Pie two, um, especially at the time where it came out. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was in high school or middle school, but it. You know that's that's right when those movies hit you anyway. Right. So it, I, I thought it was good. The comedy is good. At that age, I was like, boobs, great. Right. Yeah. So uh, I probably haven't watched it in probably a good five or six years, but mm. I, I remember after even watching it as an an, an adult, it's like, yeah, it's still it's a good movie. It's still yeah. a fun movie. Yeah. Tiny, I know that you weren't crazy about this genre movie, and then uh-huh. I forced it on you when we were in high school. <laughs> so what do you think of American Pie Two? <laughs> no, I I mean. I never connected very much with the franchise, um, mm. but I remember I remember distinctly seeing this movie in the theater when we were barely freshmen in high school. We were 14 really? years old, and I thought it was one of the funniest movies I'd ever seen in my life. I cry <laughs> laughed throughout so much of it, and that's the last time I saw it. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I and I never saw uh, American Wedding, and I never saw American Reunion. Um, it's, well, yeah. you're not messing anything with yeah. yeah, I think part Reunion. of... I don't know how much of this is due to... I don't know. I don't know. But um, American Pie 2 is kind of – it was – the first two movies were released at a time where kind of that um, – I don't know exactly what genre I'm, – I'm not a music guy, but kind of like that pop punk kind of poppy Blink rock 182. music. Yeah. 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 That brand of music was like massive at the time. So they yeah. had a bunch of like music uh, uh, needle drops in the, in the movies, in the first two movies that were like of that brand of mu- uh, music. And it played well with the depiction of teenagers uh, – in in that time period and everything, and it kind of becomes like a little bit of a time capsule. But once American Wedding comes out, they're older. The music isn't like that. Isn't that mute? That brand of music, that genre of music, is kind of you know not as prevalent in in you know pop culture as it was at that point. So I think that may be part of the reason why those other two movies faltered. Another reason why is because they were just not good. <laughs> um, American Wedding just completely destroyed the character of Stifler. Like he, yeah, it was. It was offensively bad how they wrote him because it was like he was just he. They wrote him as if he, he was wrote, a caricature of he himself. Was. Yeah, and it, it's it was. Yeah, it was over like, the top. Him showing up at the uh, the engagement party and the school in bus. The school, yeah, and, yeah, Ugh, yeah. It was it was awful. Um, yeah, but yeah. So that's American Pie two. I really liked the second movie and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I need to revisit it. I haven't seen it in a while, but I've seen it so much and I've, I've, it was such a big part of my high school years of watching movies and everything that I, I remember most of it just by memory. So yeah. Um, Feckus, does that bring us to you? It does. Um, the last one on my list is major league two. And, uh, the first major league, it's one of my favorite baseball films, uh, ever. It's to me, it's hilarious. Uh, it's a good rated R comedy, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good scenes with Charlie Sheen uh, and Tom Berenger. I, I mean, I, I love this movie. It, oddly enough, it really you know captures baseball f- for me, um, and it's just it's it's a funny movie all around. Um, and then they made Major League Two like five years afterwards, and it was really weird because they made Major League Two almost a kid movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. It, if you, it's not rated R anymore. It, you go back and watch it. All the jokes are really toned down. Not you know, not sexualized, not hard language or anything like that, and which is weird because the first one has a lot of 
you know, kind of raunchy or even a, a adult humor in there mm-hmm. regarding, mm-hmm. you know, and the second one kind of makes jokes out of the characters that were kind of taken seriously in the first one, like Roger Dorn. He, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was kind of a goof in the first one, but you, you didn't, you still took him seriously. In the second yeah. one, he just becomes this ridiculous character that is just a shame that he's no longer in the big leagues anymore, that he's in the office and he's trying to relive his, his old days as playing ball. And it, it doesn't work because he's just being too goofy about it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all, all the jokes are really toned down. I remember seeing this as a kid in elementary school and not having seen the first one yet. And it was okay because it was not a rated R movie. And like, they they put uh, Randy Quaid as one of the guys in the outfield now that are the hecklers, and he was kind of funny. But overall, the movie just did not work for me because it just was not the same vein as the first one. Because mm-hmm. they just they really went back and made it. I I, I want to go back actually and see if it's rated PG or PG thirteen. I just looked it up. It's uh first one's rated R, second one's rated PG. Yeah. See Jeez. and then. Yeah. It, you ruin it. I mean, you you can't like the success, success from the first one is due to the hilarious kind of raunchy and you know vulgar comedy, and then you go make the second one, and you have the, these kid characters like the the new catcher. He's he's a goofball from uh you know midtown USA, you know Farmville USA, and mm-hmm. he's he's a country bumpkin, and Charlie Sheen has become. You know, I, I'm now a successful baseball player. I'm I'm a sellout, and Willie Mays Hayes is replaced with Omar Epp, or uh, yeah, Omar Epps instead of oh, Wesley Snipes. That's and a shame. Uh, it's just it's such a disappointing sequel. I mean, they they go back, and it's the same premise of the first one. They go back to sucking again, and they have to do well in order to keep from moving. Yeah, and it's the exact same premise, and it's it's almost like a a remake for a PG audience. And it's oh, just, man. it's, it's, it's awful. If you've not seen it and you've loved the first one, just don't waste your time. Yeah. I don't think I've seen the second one and I don't really remember the first one, so I can't really speak to it. But tiny, have you seen the second one? I know you just recently saw the first one. Yeah. I, I have not seen the second one, but uh, the first one, it just had like all new meaning to me. I, I saw it a few weeks ago and uh, my girlfriend, her father is from Canton, Ohio. And which is it's Eastern Ohio, and mm-hmm. it's 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 a sim. It, he's it's similar to Cleveland, and where the movie t- the first movie takes place. Yeah. And my girlfriend's father like loves the Cleveland Indians, and nice. I just I just saw so much of like him and throughout the movie, um, just just the way that people talk. Like it's it's weird. Like people from Western Ohio versus Eastern Ohio are just completely, just totally different. It's just totally, totally different wor- worlds. <laughs> it's, I mean, they, it's like the, the East Coast just bled into Ohio <laughs> and they have that, they have that accent, like the part where the construction workers like, these guys fucking stink. And then later on, he's, who are these freaking guys? Who are these fucking guys? And then the next time he's like, you know, these guys ain't too fucking bad. Like the way, the way he says it, ironically, it's, it's, it's uh, janitor. it's the janitor yeah, from, from Scrubs. Scrubs. Oh, nice. Who says it. And, and like, I just, I just, it had new meaning to me for that. And my, uh, my girlfriend's dad, my probably my future father-in-law, he, uh, he just congratulations. <laughs> um, he he loves that movie to no end and quotes it all the time. And I, I, I saw it at uh, the Indianapolis Museum of Art, um, mm. their uh, their amphitheater, their outdoor amphitheater. They put it's this on their nice. summer nights summer nights series on a on a Friday night. We 
put out a blanket and a citronella candle and had some drinks and just watched the movie like it was a picnic. Um, and it was just such a fantastic time. Um, there's a line in the movie that I forgot was in it that is one of my favorite lines ever. It's the part where the, the older pitcher says, are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> oh, Christ, don't you start is... a holy war. <laughs> <laughs> that is just the best. That was so funny. I laughed. I got looks when we were watching it at the, at the amphitheater because I forgot about that line, and it was like I'd heard it for the first time, and I was just laughing for like 10 minutes. As it was so great. Up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> I need so, to see the first one. It, it's again. a terrific I, movie. I'm gonna have to buy it because I just man, it had a whole new meaning for me. I loved it. I, I, I guess they made a third yeah, one too. I was just back to the miners. I, I never saw it because I why would I? Yeah, seen Major right. Two, and it's just I'm sure it's awful. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it is. Hmm. Um, Tiny, do you want to run us out for the topic? I'd love to. Uh, this is the one I was most excited to talk about. Um, it's the movie next Friday. Um, and the movie I wanted, or the reason I wanted to talk about it is not because it was so not good. Um, it was kind of funny. I mean, I think a lot of people actually kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the reason I wanted to talk about it so much is because it's it's an example of of making a sequel and just completely leaving behind everything that made the first movie special. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the the first the movie Friday is oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, go ahead, sorry. I just <laughs> realized the plot of next Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um Friday is uh, it's it was a cultural phenomenon. It, it turned into a cultural phenomenon. It wasn't mm-hmm. overly successful when it first came out, but it, it's one of those movies that just absolutely took off on home video and and within a matter of years became hugely successful. Um but the the reason that it's so good is cuz that that first movie, the Friday had such an incredible message in it and it was it it was a time it came out in 1995 i believe um that's when you know the whole rodney king incident and uh, um uh the la riots were still relatively fresh in people's mind that was in 92 and the movie came out in 95 but it was it was kind of a a continuation of the movie boys in the hood and 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 it kind of revolved around that whole the whole race culture and socioeconomic culture of Los Angeles that a lot of the world didn't really know about. Um, and, and boys in the hood shone a light on it. And then the Rodney King incident turned it into a national controversy. And I think Friday took a lighthearted approach to it that we kind of needed. It was, it was, it was just such an important movie in that respect because there's still so many moments throughout the movie where, you know, they talk about how, the way that our young culture has advanced is a step in the wrong direction. You know, there's, there's a great conversation between Craig played by ice cube and his father where his father sees him putting a gun in his pants. And he's like, you know, your mother and I never would have moved into this neighborhood if we would known you needed a gun to walk down the street. And he tells him, you know, back in my day we fought and, you know, everyone now is just afraid to catch an ass whooping, but you know, you might get beat, but you're going to live to fight another day. And, you know, it just kind of, Stuff like that riddled throughout the movie and and placed amongst the really quality comedy and really funny jokes in the movie um, really elevated that movie so much more than it, it really should have been. Um, and I think that Friday is just such an important movie. Um, and then the, the sequel next Friday was just all about the jokes 
and it was it doesn't even take place in South Central Los Angeles. Right. Um, it takes place in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and it's it's a really selfish movie. Um, they're they're it's similar to the first one where they're you know the first one they're trying to get two hundred dollars so they don't get killed by a drug dealer. Right. Right. In the second movie, they're trying to steal money from their drug dealing neighbors so they can pay their taxes. Like yeah. really, Jeez. that's the plot of the movie. It was just so Ooh. far removed from the charm of the first movie and the endearing quality i've used the word endearing a bit too much but it that's what it is it's such an endearing movie that mm-hmm. you know the comeuppance of the main character in the first movie was so satisfying and it was a great story and the second one just completely got away from that and huh. there's some jokes in there that are fairly funny but it's just a dumb movie and it's just mm-hmm. not it's just so it doesn't deserve to have the word friday in the title in my right. opinion um that's that's exactly how I felt about it. You, really, you, you put it perfectly because <laughs> that was always my thing about Friday. It was yeah, it was funny, but it was riddled with good good little messages. And yeah. then the next Friday, next Friday, just for, forget it. Yep. You know, Craig he loves the weed now, and yeah. we're gonna do all this silly crap. And I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first movie they they had to none of the background characters or none of the main characters could wear red clothes because they shot it in a crip neighborhood and they were afraid that people in the movie Jeez. were going to get beat up or killed mm-hmm. for wearing red. That's, that's why, that's why that. Chris Rock's character wears a blue shirt throughout the movie. No kidding. Because huh. that's, that's the crip color. You mean um, uh, Chris uh, Tucker. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Who'd I say? Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Sorry. Um, I'm not racist. Don't, don't apologize uh, to me. I just, I just heap praise upon a very important <laughs> film in the African community. American community. I'm not racist. Um, it's really funny. Like, I haven't, I, I don't think I've seen the original Friday since, oof, since I was like a, a teenager. Oh, like, wow. Like, way back. So, really. like, so, like, hearing you talk about it that much, like, everything, it's, it's a weird, thing in my head like i remember the movie very clearly because i mm-hmm. was a i was a huge fan of it back in uh, uh back when i saw it and like once like hearing you in that context it's like i can feel the perspective shift in my head yeah. in my huh. memory yep and yeah like that's that's right yeah, yeah that's... I, I watch that pretty often actually oh, yeah, yeah I, I love that movie oh it's a it's great good. movie i yeah. just wow and I, I just read this piece of trivia today i didn't really realize it at the time but uh the character of Craig, played by Ice Cube, in the opening scenes of the movie, he's actually wearing the exact same clothes he wore at the very end of Boys in the Hood. Huh. Um, oh, no kidding! Yeah, he's and it, it's and like the the director John Singleton is, or no, I'm sorry, the director of uh, Friday was Friday. F. Gary Gray. Yeah, John Singleton did Boys in the Hood. Right. Um, F. Gary Gray is he's been made some really great movies, uh, as has John Singleton, and he did uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yes, yeah. he did. Yes. Yeah, he directed that. But yeah, it's you know the their their voices for through their art they've voiced the controversy in in South Central Los Angeles throughout the past couple of decades, and they've been the best in the business at it. And mm-hmm. and t- to see the franchise of Friday go the direction that the sequel went to is just a damn shame. I mean, this kind of turned into a love fest for the movie Friday. But, yeah. Right. Uh, it's just but, you can't, but you can't talk about how what makes next Friday so bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, so a con, it's exactly. a uh, contextual right. love fest. Right. Did you see Friday After Next? I didn't even bother seeing it. Me either. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw it, I think. I, I don't remember it, yeah. but yeah. Um, it, they were security guards, and I'm yeah. a security guard, right. so, you know. But yeah, it... No, the the first movie is 
just incredible. Right? Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, so yeah, that runs us up for our main topic. Uh, before we move on to Potpourri, here is a promo for Sharktober and Irvington, which as I said at the top of the, uh, episode, you can find more information at sharktoberandirvington.com as well as tickets are on sale right now. You can buy your tickets online at sharktoberandirvington.com. Here's the promo. Join the Obsessive Viewer podcast on October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis for... The Obsessive Viewer presents Shocktober in Irvington Part 2. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local artists J.P. Leck and Synapshot Productions. There will be giveaways, raffles, interviews with the filmmakers, and so much more. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more details and prepare to be shocked. And yeah, so now we're going to go on to Potpourri. And uh, for those first-time listeners, Potpourri is the portion of the podcast where we talk about basically anything that we've watched lately or anything that's coming up or any news pieces that we want to talk about. Anything we want, as long as it smells good. And uh, Fekas, since you are our guest, uh, how about you get us kicked off on Potpourri? Sure. Um, I'm going to be talking about, and I'm I'm normally a uh, strict movie guy, but you know, occasionally I find a, a TV show that I'll talk about, and in this mm-hmm. case, uh, I'm going to be talking about Ballers on HBO. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to start this off, and I, I've read the reviews on Ballers, and I recognize that right now it's not getting great reviews. Um, but I enjoy the show, and uh, I, I enjoy the show even looking at it and seeing all the faults in it. Like, it, if you don't know what Ballers is about, uh, Rock... Uh, Dwayne Johnson plays a retired football player who now works for a financial company trying to get the investments from current football players through that financial company. And him and Rob Corddry are kind of partners in this. And it's him dealing with all the uh, football players and some of the things that the football players in the NFL kind of do on their off time. Um, the the show kind of wraps up its its problems a little too neatly, too, too quickly. Hmm. And... I don't have a problem with it. Um, <laughs> I say that though, and I can say this, uh, you know, kind of ashamed of myself, but I have a huge man crush on the rock. Um, <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. He, he is great. Oh, he's great. Um, I, I love him just about everything he does. And I, I was a huge fan of him back in the WWE as well. So watching him on this show, I think he does a great job in the show as well. You know, it's, it's kind of a simplistic show. Uh, it kind of goes for, like I said, some cheap, cheap laughs here and there but i i like the premise i i like the style and i like uh the cameos from like people in the sports world you know they had uh victor cruz on there in a couple of episodes they had uh oh can't ever remember the name the basketball player for the miami heat uh birdman uh the guy with all the tattoos um i don't know i don't watch okay. basketball fair enough uh, <laughs> fair enough chris me, Paul? me <laughs> is john stockton i think was his name? <laughs> uh, no but they have a lot of cameos from the, the sports world and espn that, that's a lot of fun and i i think it's it's not a horribly serious show but it's a light for me it's a light show and it's fun and i i, I like watching the rock kind of he's in this in his element Mm-hmm. Uh, to me in this like he's not stretching far for a character here but he does well with it and I, I like the show and I'm having a lot of fun with it there's only one episode left in the season but and again I think it's going to wrap things up a little too too neatly in a, in a nice little bow uh, but for me the characters are likable um, 
and it's it's just fun for me. I realizing that I'm kind of probably in the minority <laughs> in this, but I think it got renewed for a second season. Good. And, uh, huh. and I want to point out, first of all, uh, that when Fekus, when you were saying all the all the sports people, you were looking directly at Tiny and completely, <laughs> completely not even acknowledging my presence. I'm sorry. So thank you what, for that vote of confidence. What are your thoughts on uh, Victor Cruz in the coming season? I, and... You know, I think that he is really good at running with a ball in his hand. <laughs> well, at least you got that aspect of it. Okay. <laughs> and you know, bouncing I'll, it. I'll admit, I don't know who Victor Cruz is. Oh, yeah. He's a receiver for the New York Giants. I thought maybe okay. he was a villain in an early season of 24. But anyway. God. Um, <laughs> he was actually the villain in Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Respect. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I saw previews for Ballers like uh, in on HBO Go, and it didn't do anything for me. It's just not my thing. But it, it seemed like, and I, I think that this is a... This is a sentiment that's shared across the across the internets, but I, I feel like it's it's more lifestyle porn in the vein of Entourage. Absolutely. And, well, yeah. I, I can't make that comparison because I've never watched Entourage, but my, oh, okay. my my brother made that same comparison. Said it kind of right. looked like Entourage for the sports world, and hey, you know what? That's fine. Mm-hmm. I I yeah, enjoy yeah. it. So I think your brother I, may have actually tweeted at me about that. He, do, he's, he does like to tweet at people. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it seemed like to me too. It seemed like. Uh, it just seemed too reminiscent of Entourage, so that's why I didn't check it that's out. That's fair. Um, but it does look like it's it has a few layers of douche removed. <laughs> right. Um, it, yeah. well, don't be so quick on that because there a few layers, not all of them. I was going to say, <laughs> is Jeremy Piven anywhere in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, he's played by Rob Cordry. Cordry so. <laughs> How many times per episode does the word bro make an appearance? Not as much as you think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Not as much as you think, but... Jeez. <laughs> I might check it out eventually, but we'll see. Uh, I'm gonna probably pass on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Ballers. Uh, it's currently available on HBO and HBO Go and HBO Now and all that. Uh, Tiny, what do you got for Potpourri? Yes, uh, I finally, finally watched the movie Foxcatcher. Um, nice. I had been, you know, it came out last year. It was part of last year's Oscars. I had been meaning to see it forever, and it just, it just took me so long to to finally see it. Um, I was so excited about it because seeing Steve Carell, I remember seeing the first teaser for it and seeing Steve Carell in that makeup, mm-hmm. using that inflection yeah. on his voice. I was like, what in the hell is this movie? Um, and then I remember, I realized he was playing John DuPont and uh, Channing Tatum was playing um, uh, an Olympic wrestler. I was like, it's based on a true story. I was like, I've, I've got to see this movie. Um, Bear in mind, I haven't seen it. So no you spoilers, haven't? please. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also Bennett Miller was directing it. So I was just, I was so stoked for it. And unfortunately I just never, never saw it until recently. Um, I really liked it so much. Nice. Um, I remember Mike saying he wasn't crazy about it cause it was, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very slow paced movie. It's not for, for a movie about professional athletes, uh, people who are Olympic athletes. Um, it's, it's not that, Actiony. There's not a lot of action and not a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the real, the real draw of the movie, the excitement is is just, it's just played out in the dialogue. It's played out in the interaction between these two characters at first, and then three characters eventually. It's just the the tension and the the potency of the relationship, the, the, the emotions and the tension between these three characters, it's just so palpable and just so, so well played that 
you just can't take. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I was I was like on the edge of my seat, like it was a thriller. Um, but really, it's it's just it's mostly just people talking. Um, <laughs> I just I I was just so blown away by the writing and the 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 pacing despite the fact that like i said it's it's fairly slow but it's just the way these characters evolve and the way their relationships evolve that's where the true pacing comes in in the movie it's just incredible the way it all moves and and how everything evolves i was just so impressed with with how that was written and uh probably most importantly by how it was all acted um Channing Tatum, I think this is the closest he's gotten to an Oscar-worthy performance. Oh, he was, doubt. he was fantastic. Um, uh, there's a few scenes in particular where he uh, he loses a match and he kind of he has a kind of a stereotypical reaction, sort of like uh, it, it reminded me of uh, the movie Walk Hard, uh, <laughs> uh, the Dewey Cox story or whatever, mm-hmm. where he just continually keeps ripping sinks off the wall in, in <laughs> frustration. Because that's kind of a stereotypical thing to do, just you know, punch a mirror or whatever. It's kind of stereotypical, but just I, I really appreciated the way he played it. It looked really, it looked so genuine, um, and and just the, the best parts were just the interaction between Channing Tatum and Steve Carell. Just just their their symbiosis of how how they they just fed off one another it was just so amazing to watch. And I I kind of wish I could have seen the real life version of it, just a fly on the wall between those two characters or those two people. Um, it was just so well done. Um, so Channing Tatum was amazing. Uh, Steve Carell. Yeah. His best performance by far. I, nice. he absolutely earned his Oscar nomination. Um, I just, what he had to go through to play that character. I was just like, I, I don't think I could do it. I, I mean, he just had to be such a, such a, a, a two faced and such a, such an odd person. And, and, and kind of work in this this pressure that these th- there's this pressure that people like that feel they're they're you know they're heirs to an an immense fortune and a a really famous name like the Dupont name. Mm-hmm. There's just so much pressure to be successful, and you know you need to get married and have kids to pass on the pass on the fortune and, and keep the family name going, and and that has a tremendous effect on people and it was a very negative effect on, on John DuPont and just to see him embody that was incredible. Um, but I think almost the standout was Mark Ruffalo. I, I just, nice. he is just so unbelievably good. His, his capability to transform into so many different characters. Um, I mean, to go from Bruce Banner into the Hulk, it's incredible how he does that in those movies. Yeah. No CGI. I mean, it's just so crazy. So natural. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, Channing Tatum and Mark Ruffalo had like almost no experience wrestling and re- with wrestling and and they i totally bought both of them as you know olympic wrestlers um Very i was just so blown away by all the performances and um the movie's kind of long but mm-hmm. i guess the uh when the director bennett miller put it all together the original runtime of what he actually wanted the movie to be was almost four hours Jeez, um, I'd, wa- I'd watch that i would movie. i would watch it too in a heartbeat um it ended up being about two and a half but i i I loved every minute of it. Um, I I'm not sure if I would have given it any of the Oscar wins. I don't know if it was quite. I think some of the other movies stood out over it in their respective categories. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way everything came together, I was just so impressed with it. I really, really loved it. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, as you saw Foxcatcher, I did. I went to go see it at Keystone. Uh, oh, back God, I love that theater. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought it was fantastic. And uh, as a former wrestler myself, one of the I loved watching the wrestling scenes. They they nailed they nailed it. I mean, they yeah. the, the feel of a match and even the practice. Like one of my favorite scenes was one of the first scenes in the movie when uh, Mark Ruffalo and Shane Tatum were having their. Uh, their practice by themselves. They're kind of sparring. Yeah, love love yeah. that scene. It was incredible. Um, and I won't spoil. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I, obviously I'm not going to spoil it. But the, okay. the climactic scene, like I, I I knew the story going in, but even mm-hmm. knowing the story coming in, the climactic scene just really it got me. It yeah. was I don't nice. It was uh, it was just so well shot. It was, yeah. I don't want to say uh, yeah right, right, say anything right. else, but yeah, um, yeah it, there was not a whole lot that I had bad to say about it uh the one thing i would say is um after seeing the movie i went online and started looking up videos of uh dupont and mm-hmm. uh steve carell kind of oversells it a, oh, really? a little bit with the accent but it, he still does he still knocks that out of the park he did an amazing job so mm-hmm. i everything you said i'm right with you nice cool. Uh, awesome. I will definitely watch that soon. Yeah. And, yeah um, I'm kind of kind of mad because it's not on Google Play for rent. So. Oh yeah. I'll yeah. I, I wanted to watch it. I ended up just recording it off like Stars or oh, something. Really? I really. I wanted. I was going to rent it off iTunes or mm-hmm. uh, UVerse, whatever, but I couldn't find it. So. Yeah. I'll watch it eventually. Yeah. Um, to round out, Popery. Uh, fact is, we get on time. Are you good? Four minutes. Okay. Uh, okay. So to round up, Popery. Pop- Wow. To round out potpourri, uh, I watched a movie on the recommendation of, uh, or after hearing the guys over at Film Schlubs, which is a podcast that I referenced in our uh, True Detective Season 2 bonus episode. Um, they raved about this movie. It's called Ask Me Anything. Uh, it's a movie that I had seen on Netflix previous to, uh, previous to hearing them talk about it. And, you know, the, it's, it's a victim of, of poor marketing, I guess, or, or like you, okay, you see the, you see the cover, it shows Britt Robertson, uh, young, attractive female actress, uh, from <laughs> Tomorrowland and, and, uh, 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 Under the Dome. But anyway, so she's, the cover is her standing in a, in a man's like, uh, dress shirt, white dress shirt with a tie on, with a kind of befuddled look, with a disheveled bed behind her. And the plot on Netflix is, um, on a one year, uh, deferring college for one year, uh, a young girl writes an anonymous blog chronicling her sex life. And so you think from that, you think like, oh, this is like a raunchy sex comedy. Um, it's not. It's a, uh, it's an indie drama and it is so, so good. It's, uh, I have a review that I'm going to post uh, that will have posted two days ago as as of the release date of this podcast. But um, so it takes this it takes this journey uh, takes the character on this journey through this through this young girl who is uh, who's who's kind of dealing with some inner conflicts, some like personal personal issues from her past. She's kind of working through them, working working them out without being really conscious of them. And, uh, through that, she's, she's like having an affair with this, with this older man and she has a boyfriend that she's not really into and she just, you know, kind of blogs about like having sex with them and stuff and being hung up on them and everything. But as the, as the movie progresses, you kind of get more detail about her past and, and some of the, 
some of the issues that that are kind of plaguing her and it's it's a really well well drawn like well written and well executed uh view of this character who's just kind of lost in this limbo between uh childhood and adulthood and in kind of kind of wrestling with some pretty serious serious stuff and it takes a uh a unique it it ends on a unique note i i won't say what happens but i will say that it blew me away like the ending to it was i'm very curious what people will think like what like what you guys will think if you see it because it takes such an interesting turn that you could either hate it or you could just be like this is so effective because like from my perspective i watched it and it it like happened and it ended and i had this uh just this really really weird weird experience where it was it was about it was about midnight close to my bedtime um i i got up my like i was just kind of i felt just really uncomfortable and very like like just just so weirded out by by like my surroundings it, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain and it's not anything like it's just it's just a twist or, or, or it's it's just something something that happens at the end just kind of just really stuck with me and like it like i lost sleep over it <laughs> like i laid wow. in bed for like a couple hours just like i it was just such a weird i was processing these emotions so it was such a weird, weird experience. And like, like, I mean, I kind of got a little teary eyed here and there just thinking about like the message of the movie and what, what the filmmaker was saying. And it was just such a, such a rare experience for me. It was a very, very interesting. Um, and I will say that I, I tweeted about it the next day and I, I will be, um, if everything goes as planned, next Tuesday I will be interviewing the writer and director who uh, adapted it from his novel called Undiscovered Girl. Um, I'll be interviewing him for the podcast next week, so that should be up a week from when this episode is released. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to talking to him about it. I will probably go into a spoiler section with him to <laughs> yeah. to talk about what, like, the meaning behind what, what, what he did. And the thing about it is, like, I... I heard about it on Film Schlub's podcast and they raved about the ending and they did that and I still had like I didn't expect it. Like I, I, I didn't see it coming. And like I feel like I could build it up to you guys and you guys I don't think you guys will see it coming. And I don't know how you guys will respond to it. I don't know if this if I if the response I had to it will be something that like other people will have that response to it, but it just it really it really hit me. It really hit me pretty it was a pretty powerful movie. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I, see yeah. It. I actually want to see it real bad. Yeah, too. definitely. Let me know what you guys think because it's it's definitely something I wasn't expecting. Even though it was built up to me, like I still didn't expect it. Um, yeah. So again, that's Ask Me Anything. It's available on Netflix, and uh, I'm pretty sure you can find it um, on like Google Play and stuff like that. But it's on Netflix Instant now, and don't let it fool you because it's uh, it's not what the promotional material will lead you to think that it is. It's a very uh, strong dramatic. Uh, movie about like Fifty Shades of Grey, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Mm. On that note, thank you, Fekus, for uh, <laughs> for joining us on this uh, episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Well, thank you for having me. It's yeah. always fun. Oh yeah. Do you have a? You don't have like a Twitter account or anything? I do. It's R A Fekus at well, you know Twitter, whatever. There you go. Follow him, everyone. Yeah. R A Fekus. You will be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's been fun, guys. Thanks. Thanks again, Perkins. All right. No problem. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.
but no, I told some friends of mine that uh, I'm really excited to see Straight Outta Compton, but uh, if they, <laughs> I'm just really hoping that it's accurate and that there is a scene where Easy is uh, cruising down the street in, his, <laughs> in a vehicle from 1964, and uh, I'm hoping that in that scene he's jarking some bitches and and he's slapping a hoe, and that he goes to the park to get the scoop. Um, yeah, and then wow. also. Good. Also, I mean, I swear, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm pretty okay with artistic license and everything. But if, if someone in that movie like quotes him, despite him having not said shit, I will walk out of that theater. Um, <laughs> God, you're a dork. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. When I told that to my friend, uh, one one of my friends was was like, uh, "Are you listening to that song to to um, prepare for the movie?" And I was like, "No, I had to Google the lyrics." <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt more gangster in my life. <laughs> Pretty gangster. Yes. You are uh-huh. in an apartment. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer at obsessive tiny and at I am Mike white. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.